Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team draft experts and talent scouts mock drafts and a few shock drafts too nfl total access the podcast is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts mtv's official challenge podcast is back for another season and so are we i'm tori deal and i'm anisa ferreira the wait is over guys all stars four is finally here and this season takes it to a whole new level Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to More To It, the show that takes a deep dive into the biggest stories in sports, entertainment, and culture. Start with headline news and then journey into deeper conversations. Always finding those life lessons that are presented in every single story. I'm your host, Marcel Swally. That dude, hope you guys are doing great, smiling from the inside. That's what I always tell my folks. Now, that fake superficial smile, like you actually feeling good, feeling great about life. Looking forward to today's show. Obviously, I got to get you guys started with what I'm up to. And yesterday, I went to a day party. Yeah, I know. I am too damn old to be going to day parties. Um, not this one, no. This one was tamer than the average, so I felt good about it. Went there with my boy Ray, who owns the restaurant, Casa Madera. Cedric Entertainer, the homie. Uh, used to live next to him as well, so known him forever. We were out. David Justice. Remember him? Beast, uh, what, three World Series win championships and um, really good looking dude, <laughs> still. Uh, who else? Um, uh, Cedric brought a son, my homegirl Alexis from high school. We were deep up in there. And the best part of it all was not the DJ. I mean, he was killing it, but he was playing house music. And you know how that goes. Minute one and minute 100 sound the same. I was like, this dude ain't played a different song yet, but he was banging. He was killing it. It was too damn loud. Um, other than that, the highlight was I got to get y'all my ego stroke. I'm sitting there eating the crab legs. They good too. They like barbecue crab legs. I ain't never had barbecue crab legs. They're not really barbecue, but they just taste like that. I was tearing them things up, looking down and all of a sudden, wow, right next to me, this big old pretty girl, like 5'10", Greek, black, something mix. She had a lot of, she checked the other box on everything, right? So I'm looking, I'm like, what? So everybody laughing because they, one, I'm married, but two, they like, that girl half his age coming over and she just sat down and put her Mac in. And she was like, yeah, yeah. So you're really big and really tall and really good looking. I was like, damn. And she blasting it. I'm like, she's been here a long time. She must have been drinking thinking I'm that cute. Long story short, um, we talked and she's actually modeling and I just went to a modeling agency. I said, I'll refer her. 
And I was <laughs> just talking to her. But it felt good, dog. 48 and still one of the fine ones out there in their 20 still hollering at your boy. It happened fast, too. I was like, get in, get out, because I don't want nobody filming like I am talking to you, like we networking. Yeah, right, working that net. So she got in and out real fast. You want to know who else is real fast? Let's get the show started with Tyreek Hill. Y'all watch this weekend? Tyreek Hill just won the men's 60-meter Masters Indoor Championship. All right. You know they let anybody get into the Masters, right? They like all comers. Come on. Come on. And he went in. This dude ran a 6.7 seconds, right? Ran in 6.7. Y'all don't have reference for that. A lot of people don't know track like that. It's 6.7 fast. Yeah, it's fast. But it's football fast running track. It ain't track fast running track. Let me tell you why. Hill's time puts him outside this year's. I'm talking about this year. What is it? March 13th? <laughs> March 13th. This year's top 200 men in the event. Y'all hear what I'm saying? As fast as Tyreek Hill is, fastest dude in the NFL, I would say, right? I put my bottom dollar on that. He's not even top 200 in track and field. All right, now here's what he said after the race, after he smoked everybody in that race, in that field. Never racing again. Had me out there looking wild. He'll post it to his Twitter account after the race. Now, being regarded as the fastest player in the NFL and still winning a race, but realizing, oh, if this race was the top dogs, I would be 200 and something to place. Like, you would have got 212th place. Tyreek Hill. And I just always love this conversation. Track fast versus football fast. There's no comparing. And I ran track and I played football. I did both. I do have some expertise in this. When you run track, that's all you're doing is running, right? When you play football and you run, that's just a part of what you're doing. And a lot of times in football, you don't even run your fastest, right? So when you see somebody super fast in football, immediately you imagine that guy just running track exclusively you basically take down all of those Legos because he has to be fast in football he has to be strong he has to be nimble he has to be aggressive all that you just reduce it to one thing and say fast get over here what a, a event with a sport that all they care about is fast it ain't no comparing not a single dude in football going to do a damn thing in track. It just doesn't happen that way. But track dudes can come to football. You can fall down that pyramid of athleticism and come to football. So it just reminded me of a few things. I got to give y'all, with my eyes, the fastest dude I ever saw. Now, of course, I've seen Usain Bolt run, blah, blah, blah. But that's not a fun story. Let me give you a fun story like somebody I knew. Google Obi Moore. This dude was faster than Usain Bolt all the way through high school. And he was a sophomore, I want to say, maybe a junior in high school running in the Olympics, Olympic trials. O.B. Moore was sick, ended up getting hurt. And once he got hurt the first time, he got hurt again, got hurt again. Then it started to affect him mentally, never got back. He kept trying, but never got back. But he was on my track team and he set every age group record from like the 100 all the way to the mile. Did y'all hear me? Of course, a lot of those records have been broken, but not all of them. The 100 to the mile the dude would win races and set records. Sickest dude I've ever seen with my eyes connecting, other than the professionals, of course. Now, best race I've ever seen in my life 
at the Arcadia Invitational, if you guys know about that. Huge track event out here. Quincy Watts. Google him if you don't know him. He won the Olympics in the 400, I think in 1988, something like that, 92. And he's USC's track coach, right? Beast, big dude, like look like a football player, but could bone out. Y'all remember we used to say that? You used to run fast, you used to bone out. He could bone out. And I remember seeing him against this track club, I think from South Oak Cliff, Dallas. Jerry curls, everything just looking real, just boondy, right? They came out to LA talking trash. This is like in the 80s, and they talking trash. It was in the newspaper. You're like, wow. They show up. They get the baton 50 yards, 50 meters in front of Quincy Watts. Not enough. He went and caught that Jerry Curl, dude. It was crazy. Last story I got to give you guys before I get out of here. Deion Sanders. I hear. Legend says he went to the combine. Deion, run. Nah. Deion, run. Nah. I'm not even warmed up. Not ready. Deion, run. Nah. All right. Took off like one of his chains. Still had 30 on. And didn't stretch. In the sweats and ran a 4-2, they said. I don't know if that's real or fake. I've never seen the film, but that is a legendary story that lives in NFL locker rooms to this day. I don't like to pile on anybody, right? At the same time, this story just keeps evolving, and every layer to me is educational at the least, or it could be one of those things that you learn from if you're just looking at John Morant like, wow, I'm your biggest supporter, but damn, dog, what is going on? They say when it rains, it pours, right? Well, it was raining dollar bills as we saw at the strip club in Denver, but this is not a good rain for John Morant. Coca-Cola just pulled John Morant's Powerade ads. Wow. Coca-Cola has pulled his ads for Powerade amid a suspension. Companies removed all the marketing material from John and his social media when he flashed a gun. Now, he was set to market a $10 million campaign this year with the first national television ad to air on March 14th tomorrow. However, after that Instagram and the gun, uh-uh, pulled all of that and the strip club photos. Steven Jackson weighed in on this. I love this part. Let's talk through it. What his thoughts about it um, after seeing that John Morant went to the strip club and they said he dropped $50,000 according to the New York Post. All right. He said, if anybody from my era that's trying to talk down on jaw, 80% of us would have been in the media or if we played in the clout chasing era. Basically, we would have been in trouble like Ja. Jackson expressed that in his video. Interesting. He said, because all of us was partying in the strip clubs, doing the same Ja was doing and 10 times worse. Interesting. I want to go there and I've been posed with this question a thousand times. What happened, Marcells? What would have happened if social media was around when you played? The good of it, I would be like, dog, I would have had millions and millions of followers because I was a fool. Like, I, I lived my life outwardly. Like, I let everybody see my life. I had the biggest parties. I used to get articles written about events I would throw. I DJed. I'm DJing for outcasts. You think that ain't going to pop on Instagram when I'm playing for the Chargers? All that kind of stuff. Kanye West, etc. However, there was a flip side to that conversation as well. Like, damn, would they have caught me slipping? And I always say yes, and then I get slapped in the head by the fact that, hold on, in every era, there's a bell curve in terms of how you are acting, in terms of your responsibility. Be real. And I think that Steven got this one off just a little bit. The bell curve is 80-10-10. 
80% of the people will be just fine. 80% of the athletes will just go ball, go home, whatever that may be. Stay out of the media's eye in a negative way. 10% will be goody two-shoes, right? Like, oh my God, media darlings, we love this guy. This guy could do no wrong. And then there's going to be 10% that you're always talking about can't get right. It seems like every era has been that way, including this era, right? You could say 80% of the guys, let's say S SGA, right? Who talks about SGA, right? Shea Gilgis Alexander. Nobody talks about him, really. He just balls. All right, he's in the 80%. Then there's a 10% that could do no wrong, it seems like, like Steph Curry or something. Like, oh my God, we love you, Steph. We live next door to you. You're the guy next door, right? And then there's now a 10% that John Moran has become the poster child of that it just seems like they can't get right. But wasn't that the era before, too? We've seen that all the way through. You named the names. You know what bucket they existed in, right? So I disagree with Steven in that respect. And when I played, I was a fool. But what kept me in line were the rules, were the restrictions, were the borders, were the parameters. And I was a fool, but I didn't cross that line or I didn't get caught. Steven Jackson crossed that line, different incidents, and got caught, right? But there were other guys who, like Steven even admitted, I was around a gang of us that acted like that. But how come we all don't have the same reputation as you? See, this is why I love this show. Because I love Steven Jackson. That's my dog. And he says something that we all nod at the first listen. Like, yeah, he right. It was a lot of knuckleheads. But how come all those knuckleheads don't have the same reputation? How come all those knuckleheads didn't get caught? There's something about knowing what you can't do, which makes a lot of people, way more than you think, know what to do. And that's how I was. I'm going to the line, but am I going to cross the line? Hell no. Nah. And I wasn't alone. So today's NBA, today's NFL, them dudes act up. I know a lot of those active players. They act up. But then there's a guy who acts even crazier than him, and that's the one that gets caught up, right? Nine times out of ten, it's just because you did too much. The other time is maybe you got set up. Maybe, hey, it was just a bad luck of the draw that day. But most of the time, you habitually step over that line. Charlie Murphy, right? Habitual line stepper, line stepper. Hey, dog, you better slow down. I always tell people this. The universe whispers before it yells. That will be a Wileyism one day, but let me get into it real quick. The universe whispers before it yells. How many times you ever got caught doing something? Now reverse engineer that, go backwards. You kind of got some, some hints. You kind of got some whispers. You got some reminders like, hey, let me hip you to this. Chill out. Whatever it may have been, and you just blew past that stop sign, right? I'm going to go past that stop sign, that stop sign, and then wow, that's when the universe yells. I'm just saying with this situation, because look how it goes. John Morant gets caught with the, with the incident in the strip club now, but you go back before the strip club, it was John Moran having issues with his mom and at the Foot Locker, whatever it may be, and finish line it was. And then John Moran went to a sister's volleyball game and then John Moran had an issue with a little kid on the court at his house. You see all those whispers that we didn't even hear about. But when the universe start yelling, all of a sudden all those whispers start getting counted up and tallied. Just a reminder to all of us, man, live your life. We know the rules. We know the borders. Do your damn best to have as much fun as you can within them.
I had a ball yesterday at that day party. Didn't cross the line. I told that fine girl to get up faster than Tyreek Hill could because if not, oh, the universe is going to be yelling at your boy and I wouldn't be here today. <laughs> let's go to Green Bay. I know I'm with y'all. Let's not go to Green Bay, but let's talk about a story from Green Bay. Who in the hell wants to go to Green Bay? Not even people in Green Bay want to be in Green Bay. Uh, Mark Murphy on Aaron Rodgers. Quote, very few players play for only one team. Oh, he thought he said something there. Duh, fool. We know. All right, here's another thing. And then you get the ellipses. I love when I read stories and then you get the ellipses. That means we cutting up all this junk. He ain't talking about nothing. We're like, whatever, whatever, whatever. Then they get to this part. Aaron had a great career here. Oh, what does that mean? Did y'all catch that past tense? I did too. I, what was that, third grade or something? Has and had and all that, present participles and all that. I forgot all that, but I just know how to use it most of the time, not even all the time. Aaron had, 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 uh, uh, stop the music, DJ. You said had a great career here? Is he leaking oil? Is he leaking what he really knows but doesn't want to say? Because he just said it. Aaron had a great career here. Now, Aaron Rodgers also chimed in. Stay tuned. Some more ellipses. Whatever. He ain't talking about nothing. Then it says, it won't be long a decision. Now, a birdie told me that knows Aaron Rodgers, that works out with Aaron Rodgers. That's all I can tell you before I get my informant, my source in trouble. Um, he told me there is a deal on the table from the Jets that is hella tempting. But at the same time, it's basically those two decisions. And I heard that Aaron don't even really want to play for the Jets. That's like his second choice. His first choice was Miami, but then they picked up two of fifth year options. So therefore he's like, all right, do I really want to go to my third option? Cause Green Bay still fits in there just because of how long you've been there and your tenure, right? Your legacy will be pure staying in, in Green Bay. But that's what I heard. I don't know if that's conjecture, rumors, it's just some informed information if you can say that, right? So. The real question is, is this the end for Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay? Let's talk about the dynamics and the politics at play first. That actually supports what Mark Murphy said. Why very few players play for only one team. I remember when I was drafted to the Buffalo Bills. And I looked around that locker room. Jim Kelly just retired. Just retired. He didn't want me to sack him in practice. He was like, I'm out. Wiley coming. I don't want that in practice. You're right. So then it was... Andre Reed, Thurman Thomas, and Bruce Smith. Those were our guys, right? And I was like, wow. Now, I don't know where Andre went after Buffalo, if anywhere. I don't remember that. Y'all can help me. But Thurman left. Bruce left. And I was like, this is a business. How in the hell do you get rid of those guys? And then they went to other places. Thurman in Miami, I remember he played well. Bruce in Washington balled out, set the sack record there. And I was like, damn, we get rid of the greats. Oh, I don't stand a damn chance, right? Because of the dynamics at play. Never forget in football, all sports, but football, let's talk that in particular. Oh, they are drafting. They are looking at free agents every single second of the day to not come and add them to the team, but to replace your ass, no matter who you are. I remember I got drafted and I was so pumped and I'm reading all the Buffalo News articles and collecting them. Damn, this is old. I'm so old, I had to cut out articles and put them in a photo album and I did and I have it somewhere. 
Not internet clip, pasted, cut and paste. I have clips, and one of them hurt me, actually. It was Bruce Smith and Andre Reed, Thurman Thomas, because they drafted me, a DN, Antoine Smith, who was a running back, and then Peerless Price. They drafted him the next year as a receiver. And that article said, those guys weren't happy we were drafted. It wasn't personal. It was just the fact that they were like, yo, they're trying to replace us, which was true, which we all did. And I was like, damn, I wanted one of those big old veteran hugs from those guys. Not that, but that was just them addressing the politics at play. Let me tell you a story that really hit me when I was in San Diego. We've all heard of the war room, right? And that's where they put all of the prospects, all of the collegiate athletes, and that's where we're going to draft number one, Bryce Young, number two, C.J. Stroud, right? We've all heard of that and even got glimpses into the war room. Let me tell you what happened when I made a wrong turn up on the executive level in the Chargers facility. So I'm looking up there. I mean, I'm feeling good about myself to the point where you go around the executives when it's not practice time, you feel good about yourself. You know you balling, right? So I'm in that place, that that sliver, slither of life where I'm just like, man, y'all can't mess with me. I like coming up here and just messing with y'all. And I remember looking in one of the rooms, just like open the door for whatever random reason. And I saw those slots. You know the war room slots. Got the names on them that they could easily replace. And I saw the slots, but when I looked at the slots, I couldn't read them all, but I saw one of them and I saw way up top. Guess what it said? Now, Drew Brees is our quarterback. Doug Flutie's there, whatever. Guess what it said? It didn't say some collegiate quarterback. It didn't say some collegiate prospect. That sucker said Peyton Manning. And I was like, why are the San Diego Chargers having Peyton Manning on a war room board? Not a draft board, just a war room board. Somebody comes to grab me, one of the security or the assistant. It was, oh, look, Marcel, what are you doing in there? Get out of there. And just laughed it off. And then we went on our merry way. What I learned from that room is that is the war room where they're looking at all the active NFL players and potential free agents. Just like that. Like, Jalen Ramsey got traded to the Miami Dolphins. They had a board up of potential drafts, one, and then another one of free agents, two, or trade partners, three, or active players, four. They got them damn boards up. Meanwhile, they're going out there at practice every day saying, great job, great job, great job. Then they go upstairs, they be like, yo, we got to get rid of this dude, or we're going to have to go grab him and get rid of him. And that's the chess match at play. Now, when you know that, I mean, you got to take your heart out of it. It's a business and you shouldn't be connected personally to that. It's transactional. It's based on your actions on the field and then the transactions off the field. But it was mind blowing to see that. I'm expecting to see some dude from college that I didn't know about. And instead of seeing that, Peyton Manning, I was like, they're trying to trade for Peyton Manning. I'm staying here for sure. We're going to win the Super Bowl. Obviously, neither one of those worked out. This is the only ring I got. I am just fascinated with life. Like since a little kid, when they were calling me a nerd, they were really mislabeling me. I wasn't a nerd. I was just intellectually curious. Like I was the one that just wanted to know more. I don't know why, but that is the most fascinating thing in this world to me. Just knowing more, not knowing everything. There's a big difference. Some stuff I just don't care about, but there are things that I really care for and I want to know all levels of it. 
Therefore, the name of this show, Never Shut Up, right? Let's always discuss these things. Let's always get our opinions out in the open and let's learn from each other. One that caught me today was interesting, how the Brooklyn Nets have won more games than the Dallas Mavericks since the Kyrie Irving trade was made. Interesting. They won seven. Dallas has won six. I'm not going to get into the basketball X's and O's. There are other shows that do that. I want to get into the dynamic of how the hell does that even happen? Like you add Kyrie, rap, versus you lose Kyrie, uh-oh. Let's talk about the addition by subtraction. Let's start there, right? Because sometimes you add something to your team dynamic when you lose someone, lose that talent, lose that greatness. Want to know why? Let's go here. From Brooklyn's perspective, you lose Kyrie Irving, everybody looks around and is like, yo, nobody going to save us, dog. It's on us. And when you go home, it's not a us at home. It's you. Us starts with the letter U, doesn't it? So you got to remember that. Like, this team still has black belts on it. All these guys were collegiate greats or high school greats. Like, somehow, some way, they made it to the pros. Y'all can clown them all you want when they're at the pro level because they're amongst the greatest on the planet. But they're still a special talent. I tell everyone, especially fans that come up to me trying to diss some player, I'm like, dog, he's still a black belt. He may not be a 30-degree black belt. He may not be the best ever, Bruce Lee in it, but he is a black belt. You don't believe me? Go to the local gym with one of those scrubs in the NBA and play against him. Here, wear your ass out. That's how the game goes. So, addition by subtraction on that team, right? Oh, no savior? Oh, no pie in the sky coming? Nobody just going to come down from the heavens? It's on me. It's on us. It's on you. And they go out there and actually engage and activate and play above their heads. So it was always in them, but they were deferring. They were showing reverence. They were also knowing their place and knowing their role. Let Kyrie shine. We'll get in where we fit in, right? That's how it goes. Now, there's a flip side to that as well. You're the Dallas Mavericks. Kyrie shows up. Everyone psychologically just starts to fit into their role, right? You're like, oh, Kyrie here. Okay. Everyone bumped down outside of Luka one notch because Kyrie's in the building, correct? That's how it goes. I dare you to buck and be like, oh, it's my turn to shine Kyrie here. <laughs> okay, you be doing that on the bench between your legs as you sit there. Ain't none of that happening on the court. Luka, Kyrie's show. But then some of those main characters who have the talent that could go out there and give you production all of a sudden, they become background singers. They become like background noise, just here to fill in the blanks. And it doesn't add up all the way with that dynamic because what also is happening at the top is something that we saw in Miami when LeBron went to join Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosch came with him. Remember that? It's called excess deference, right? You just defer too much. Like, you don't know where to get in. You don't know where to fit in between Luka and Kyrie. Like, between LeBron and D-Wade. Because LeBron went to D-Wade's house. But everyone knew that LeBron should have the master bedroom. I hear y'all right now. First of all, don't start with that whole master bedroom stuff. I saw something on, on the internet, so it must be true. That the master bedroom stuff didn't start with slavery. It started way after that, like in the 1900s. So y'all wrong for that. Anyway, so you go to Dwayne Wade's house. 
but you're supposed to be sleeping in the biggest bedroom. And you didn't want to because LeBron got that big heart. You know, that's big bro. That's D-Wade. That's him. But D-Wade was great, but the knees in that game started to come down the hill ever so slightly. And LeBron's was still climbing. And what should have happened is, D-Wade, I love your house, big dog, but I'm going to have to take that big bedroom. And I heard this from one of their coaches, actually. And he said, dog, I remember one time we were in practice and they had to yell at LeBron because they're like, LeBron, take the damn keys. Like, you know, hot potato in with the keys. Oh, D-Wade, this is me and D-Wade. Oh, perfect basketball play. Take the damn keys and take over. What happened? They made it to the finals. They didn't win in part because they didn't know their roles properly because they were showing that excess deference at the top. What's going to happen with Dallas right now? Are they going to get caught up in that? Luca like, dog, Kyrie a beast, but I'm Luca. And Kyrie like, oh, Luca a beast, but I'm Kyrie. Somebody going to have to take the keys and open up the big bedroom doors. Like, first of all, if you have ever been in somebody's house that has keys to their master bedroom that opens up like this, that's what I'm talking about. They're going to have to find those keys and claim that room. Someone has to be the lead dog. Now, after that happens, you start to find out what this team is fully capable of after those roles are properly defined. Right now, in Dallas, not properly defined. Oh, in Brooklyn, easy. Hey, dog, the only way we're going to keep these lights on is if we go out there and eat what we kill, let's start killing stuff. And it's simple. So that's how you can get that initial jolt and boost from a team that is actually in deficit of talent, but they are all playing together. Versus this finger over here called Luka, this finger over here called Kyrie going against the Brooklyn Nets as a fist. Going to lose that one every time. They need to close it up over there in Dallas. And they're going to get there because the talent is there. And what's going to happen in Brooklyn? Let's be real. They're going to regress to the mean. They're going to go back to the law of averages of what a team like that should look like. Yeah, play above your heads all you want. You won't do that forever. But with Dallas, there's a chance, especially because the West is wide open. So that Miami Heat, those four years with LeBron and D-Wade together was just, to me, just a lesson of life. Of like when you go into a situation, you got to always show who you are. I know it's tough. We go into rooms and we read rooms first, right? You want to make sure everyone's nice. want to make sure everyone's cool. Oh, that's my boy over there. Let me give him the nod. I hate the nod, too. Like, the nod is supposed to be like we in the same position. No, we not. Oh, oh I see you over there. What's up, boy? Like, I, what do you mean? What's up, boy? What's up? Like, like what's me? Like, I, I'm only here to eat, bro. And I'm going to have to kill some stuff in here. And don't let it be you. Like, I'm in here to go get this. We competing. It's a funny dynamic when you're competing against not only those in the room, but the whole world outside of the room, right? Team sports. So those Miami four years, LeBron, year one, messed that thing up because he didn't want to take control. Oh, after year one and all that ridicule and them losing to Dallas, oh, that boy got right. He took them keys, he went in that bedroom, kicked Dwayne Wade out and said, man, you better go sleep on the couch or something because this is my squad, even though this is your house. And there's nothing wrong with that except, let's be real. Feels weird, right? It just does. I, I coach my kids right now, and my kids are kind of like being nice to each other. I said, no, you can go at somebody or the other team and still be a good guy. Guess when you're going to show you're a good guy? After the game. Good game. Good game. While you're playing the game, I hate to tell you, 
It's okay to go to that special place. It's okay to not want that guy to succeed. It's okay to try your best to make him fail. He has to do his best to make you fail. That's what we are volunteered to do. So it's going to be fun to see how Brooklyn continues to elevate, but sooner or later get on that roller coaster and to see Dallas get off the roller coaster and finally elevate. Well, y'all know how we end this show every single time with a Wileyism. And this one comes sponsored by Nancy Reagan. You guys would know it when I say it. Just say no. Remember she said that in the 80s. Just say no. But I had to make it a Wileyism. Just say no without guilt. Boom. Let me tell you, I used to live by that mantra, just say no. They tell you that every time you go into a new situation and you're getting pressure to do stuff. Just say no. Oh, peer pressure. Just say no. Oh, drugs and gangs and stuff. Just say no. And I was like, that doesn't work. Like, it sounds great, but when you say no to somebody, they always want to repeat the question, right? Like, my kids all the time, they were like, Daddy, can I get some popcorn with the butter and the seasoned salt? No. You had it yesterday. Why? Another question. Next day, Daddy, can I get the butter popcorn with the seasoned salt? Yes. Phew! He didn't ask me nothing else. <laughs> right, right? So, when they say just say no, they needed to finish that sentence because just saying no ain't enough. People can be like, why? What's up? What's wrong? Right? So I learned to add the without guilt. So there you can go through the conversation fully of why you said no and don't let it start to wear on you to the point that you actually are considering saying yes. Think about it now. Just say no without guilt. You say no. Hey, dog, I want you to go over here with me and you know, we're going to get into something. You're like, man, I ain't going to do that. No, nah, I'm good. Why not, dog? What you doing? What else are you up to? You're like, if you start to answer that and start to feel the guilt from saying no, oh, it's just a matter of time. You're going to end up saying, all right, dog. All right, man, I'll go with you. And you know your ass shouldn't go with them. Just say no without guilt. So apply that to all the situations you're in. And I don't want to go to always to illegal activities or scandalous activities. Sometimes it's just someone asking you simply to do something you really don't want to do. But then you're like, uh. soon you say no, you're like, but I could, but I should, but I, I mean, I shouldn't be that mean. Like, just say no. <clears throat> Nancy Reagan, just say no without guilt. You'll be much happier for it. All right, that's going to do it for more to it. Check the show notes for all the information on our topics today. Today! You want to keep the conversation going? I know you do. Let's talk. Find me on all socials at Marcellus Wiley. That's right. More to it is a production of Dan Patrick Productions, That Dude Entertainment, and Workhouse Media. Show is executive produced by Dan Patrick, Marcellus Wiley. That's me, that dude. Paul Anderson and Nick Panella. Ah, Marcellus Wiley. Thanks for listening. Thanks for those reviews. Keep them coming, man. I read every single one of them reviews. All, what I got? 182 of them. <laughs> Something crazy. Um, I love y'all, man. There's more coming from more to it. Talk to you hella soon. Go. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge 
Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council.